Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. And don't forget to subscribe. Who's discouraged? Who's been discouraged by load shedding? <laughs> you know, you know, you know what, um, what I realized uh, as I was in my moment of discouragement because of load shedding? I realized, you know, ESCOM can switch off the lights in my house, but they cannot switch off the light in the Word of God. And uh, there was a time when the lights would go off and I would sit there depressed and thinking about how things just don't seem to work in this country. Ah! And then I started getting clever because then I started getting the updates. Okay, we're going to get load shedding. So then I would, I would start, in preparation for load shedding, I would just download a, an episode or two of my favorite series. Like, ha ha. <laughs> Watch my series. But I've evolved. And I've grown and I've realized that, man, in those times when we are load shedded, those are prime praying and reading the Bible times. So I don't go to my phone to download series anymore. I'm in the Word. I'm in prayer. Because when the lights are off and it seems like we're in the darkest hours, those are the times when the glory of the Lord will shine through evermore. Like the brightness of the sun. Let's be those people who speak life over our country. And so when everybody else is the critic, when everybody else is proclaiming doom, let us speak life. God is not done with this nation. In fact, I want to echo the words that Pastor Sai spoke to us during worship. Our nation is being primed for revival. The backdrop is being made perfect because when we come out, There is nobody who is going to be able to claim the glory but our Lord Jesus Christ who will shine through. And so let's get excited because the kingdom is advancing. Amen. Amen. Hope you have been encouraged as we have been in our prayer series, Living Like Heaven is Here. And that you have been encouraged uh, during our prayer and fasting this week. That you've been engaging and I hope that it's been a fruitful time for, for you. We, we are going to uh, continue uh, on, on the series, and, and, and uh, I'm going to be in Matthew 6, camping in Matthew 6 for the duration of our time together. So if you can make your way there to Matthew chapter 6. I am, I, I, from time to time, I would read the Bible. It's not a good time to pause for... Read the Bible. Thanks. We're glad to know, Pastor, you read the Bible from time to time. From time to time, I'll read the Bible and I'll be reading the, the, the teachings of Jesus. And sometimes I get, I'll get a little bit um, confused uh, by the teachings of Jesus because, uh, you know, he can be cryptic sometimes. And, uh, and uh, 
I'll just give you one. There, there, there are a few things uh, about the teachings of Jesus that will sometimes cause me to take a step back, but I'll, I'll just give you one. He, he talks about a time, uh, to, at, the, at the end of time when he would come, he'll come into the world, uh, come back for a second time, and, and, uh, and he's, he, he says that um, he, I'm go- he's going to separate the people. And some he'll call to his, to his right hand, and those are the chosen people who are within his grace, and some will be to the left, and those who the, are, are the people who are outside um, of, of his grace who are being set for, for judgment. And, and, um, and some of the people uh, to the left will be, will be saying, yeah, okay, no, no, we, we get it. We, no, I, I didn't expect any different. And, and some people in the left will be going, no ways, me, Jesus, me. Do you know how I fasted and I prayed? Do you know that I prayed and people got healed? Do you know that I did stuff in your name? How are you going to put me on the left, Jesus? And Jesus will say to them, you're a liar. I don't know you. I never knew you. And he will cast them out of his presence. And it dawned on me as I was thinking about this that the, the, the premise upon which we enter into eternity is not what we have done. It's who we are in relationship with him. We don't go after what we have done. We, we, we step into who we are in the context of relationship with him. And so in this particular occasion, Jesus is teaching the disciples and the multitudes, and they say to him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says that when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So he he is setting the backdrop for teaching them how to pray. And he says, before I teach you how to pray, before I teach you what to say, let, let me deal with some hard stuff. When you pray, don't pray like this. He says, prayer has been modeled to you by people who are not in relationship with me. I want you to not pray like that. Here's how you ought to pray. Prayer is not a performance. So so this, this scripture about going to your room doesn't mean that we don't pray in public spaces. What it means is prayer is not a performance. Because don't perform when you pray. And don't assume that God will hear you for your many words. And here he introduces a fundamental question that is going to be so core to the separating of the right to the left, the the sheep and the goats. That's what that that left-right scripture talks about. He separates the sheep and the goats. What is the premise upon which your, pre- your prayers are answered. Why do you assume that your prayers 
are going to be answered? Do you assume that your prayers are answered by God because you have done your part? Or, or do you assume that your prayers are going to be answered by God because of the type of relationship that you have with him? See, because th those are the two relationships with which we approach him. Both of them are relationships. One is a contractual relationship, and the other one is a personal relationship. And, and, uh, and if we approach God with a contractual relationship, we are going to be disappointed at the end of time. Because we are going to be among those who can't believe it. That, God, that Jesus is separating us to the left because we're going to pull out the paperwork and the contract. Jesus, what do you mean? Here's, what, here's the thing. Here's our agreement. I did my bit. I, I fasted. I prayed. I visited people. I, I preached your, your word. How can you cast me out? Jesus says that your paperwork means nothing. We didn't have a relationship. Why, why can I say that? The word tells us that the, at the end of time, our, our works and our deeds and all our stuff is going to be tested by fire. Yes. And it is only those things that were done in faith, that were empowered by the Holy Spirit, that are going to be able to withstand the fire. So when we go before the throne and we've got our heap of works and our stuff and our accolades and all the things that we did and we go before him and we say, look at me and you lay all the stuff before him and the fire of the altar burns it away and you're left with nothing because all you had was a contract. But those who go before him on the basis of relationship can go before him in confidence and no fear. And we can step before the fire in confidence. Why? Because it is a refining fire. And we come out more like him. And our rewards are eternal. And so when you pray, he says, pray like this. Don't assume that your many words or your many works is what comes before God. That's contract. That's, that's, the, that's the person who has a landlord-tenant relationship with God. You see, if I have a, a landlord, then, then we, we, we put a contract together, don't we? And, and I pay the landlord a sum of money, and my anticipation is that the landlord takes care of some stuff. He provides the shelter, uh, and, he, and he takes care of some things within the shelter. And if anything goes wrong, and he doesn't meet his part, I have every right to be angry and to throw the contract in his face. But if I am a son, my approach and my expectations are different. Now I want to help you. How do you know if you are living in a contractual obligation relationship with God or if you are in a personal relationship with Him? How do you know if you're a tenant or if you're a son and a daughter? Simple question. What do you do when things go wrong? When it didn't work out the way you had anticipated, what do you say 
What do you think? Do you go before God and say, I can't believe you didn't come through, come through for me. You let me down. I did my part. I, I, I ticked the boxes. I was at church. I tithed. I fasted. I denied myself certain pleasures. And how dare you not provide for me? Do we grow bitter and say, you must not be good or you must not be real? Why? Because there was a contract and you didn't fulfill your contractual obligations even though I fulfilled mine. That tells you that you are in a contractual relationship with God. You do your bit and he does his. The problem is your contract does not stand the fire. The son or the daughter goes to God in a different stance, don't we? What I've had to learn over time, over years, is when things go wrong and I feel that disappointment and that anger and all of those things set in, my first assumption, God, between you and I, I am wrong. Let's start there. Between you and I, I'm feeling what I'm feeling right now, but I'm wrong. So let me start there. And then I, go, I can go into your presence. Lord, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you for all things that you have provided for me. Thank you that even now I am frustrated because I didn't get what I thought I deserved, but it is your goodness. It is in your provision that you didn't answer this prayer. Thank you. Lord, help me to see where I was not aligned with you. Help me to see where I was, I was not praying prayers that are in aligned, alignment with your will. That's far more aligned to a son-daughter relationship to the Father, isn't it? And so, Jesus gives them this, this, this prayer. So after having created the backdrop, he says, pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How does the rest of us go? Amen. Let's pray this prayer daily and absorb all the meaning that Jesus has for us within this prayer. One of the first things I want to point out is that within this prayer are embedded the two greatest commands. What are the two greatest commands? What's the, what's the first command? All your mind, all your, all your soul, all your strength. Everything you have, love God. That's the first and greatest command. And the second is like unto it. What is it? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The, 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 within this short, succinct, beautiful, poetic prayer is the two greatest values of the kingdom. That we, we, our hearts are turned in adoration to the Father. And, and we adore him, and we worship him, and we love him, and we give ourselves to him. But we are also committed to relationship 
that we, we, we prioritize, that we are in unity with one another, we forgive one another, we do the work within the context of relationship. The Lord's prayer is communal. It's communal because our faith is communal. That, that, that as I'm praying for the kingdom in me, I'm also praying for the kingdom in you. And we're praying for the kingdom in this place. And we're praying for the kingdom in this nation and the pr- kingdom in this world. Of late, we're praying for the kingdom in Eskom, Lord. Just <laughs> let the kingdom come there. Then we can go to... <laughs> so Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus is establishing who we ought to pray to. Which seems like an obvious point. You're praying. So praying to the Father. Why would you need to establish that? And in the day of Jesus and indeed in our day to day, we can see that there is still some confusion when it comes to prayer, who are we praying to? What is prayer? How do we pray? Who do we pray to? And so Jesus is establishing in that moment, when you pray, what is prayer? Prayer is praying to the Father. So when, when, when you and I are having a conversation, I share something, you share something, we're having a back and forth conversation. That is a conversation. When I turn that conversation to the Father and I have a conversation with Him, I say stuff, He says stuff, that is prayer. So, so prayer is a function of who I'm, refer- I'm engaging with. Uh, so in answer to the question, what, what, what is prayer? How do I pray? And, and, and people ask me that from time to time. How do I pray? It's conversation with the Father. And I know that that's the, the oversimplified version because there's, there's, there's depth to prayer, isn't there? As, as we are growing in our faith, that as, we, as we're reading the word, that we, we're reading the promises of scripture and we're praying those scriptures. We, we're reading the prayers that are in the scriptures and we're praying those, words for, those prayers word for word. We're memorizing scripture. We're, we're going before the Lord and we're hearing from him and we pray prophetic prayers. We intercede for people in our lives and in the nations. We do all of these things. There's nuances to prayer, but at, the, at its fundamental level, I'm speaking to the Father and I'm receiving from him. So Jesus says, that's how you ought to pray. Speak to the Father, our Father. And so what I want to tell you is, if I come to you and I say, man, I'm going through a difficult time, and you say, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm just sending love. That's nice. You haven't prayed for me. That's right. I, just, 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 just sending just, just love, just light, and, and just positive energy towards you. Thanks. It's not prayer. I'm just, just, as Christians, we just need to release positive energy into the universe, not prayer. Put your stuff out there and, and, and you put your stuff out there and the universe will give it back to you, not prayer. I know I'm stepping on some toes right now. I know there's some fans of Oprah right now who are. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's not prayer. 
when I commune with the Father, that is prayer. I can go, I can go, I can go into my room, I can play some worship music, that's great, I can feel like I'm in the presence of the Lord, that's good, I do that too, it's not prayer. I get... I can have those times when I feel like I, I'm just going through such a, a difficult time. I don't even know what to say. And, and, and all I can, I'm just going to go and, and, and just sit and think positive or just, Lord, you know my heart, not pray. If you're going to pray, then pray. Talk to him. Because I, me saying to you, wow. It was great hanging out with you, Sai. We had a great, and Sai's looking at me going, when did we hang out? Like, no, no, remember, I had some good thoughts towards you. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about you so hard. We haven't built any relationship and said anything to him. We talked to the father. It says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And this, this, this word is an it's a, it's a old English word, isn't it, that we don't, we don't really use in our vocabulary. Uh, but the meaning of it, uh, being, being, uh, to, to be made holy, uh, sanctified. Um, so, so let your name be made holy. Let your name be sanctified. Be made uh, beautiful. Be, made, be treasured. Be loved. Why, why would we need to even pray that? It's the name of God. Of course it is holy. Of course it is hallowed. But in our world, we need to contend for the name of God. Let me put it differently. We need to contend for his reputation. And what that means is that, 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 that the name of God is not just another name in one of the many names that we refer to. We, we, we don't we, uh, be... Making his name hallowed does not mean that his name is at the top of the list of other names. It is completely removed and in his own category. It is pure and holy and unique. We revere your name. We love relationship with you and we can come into your presence and we're grateful to be your children, but we also recognize that your name is holy and pure. And to be treasured, we revere, we're grateful, and we don't take it for granted that we can be called your children. So it means for us to hallow the name of God. Hallowed be your name. And how do we hallow? How is this going to happen? It happens when I click the thing, and then, and then, and then. <laughs> your kingdom come, your will be done. So we say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. How is, that, how is his name hallowed? When his kingdom comes and his will is done. Where his will is done, there his kingdom comes. And, and so Jesus tells us that there are, the people will be looking for the kingdom and they're going to run to the west looking for the kingdom and they're going to run to the east looking for the kingdom. But the kingdom isn't going to be found in the west or the east. The kingdom is found where the will of God is done. And so the kingdom of God can exist and manifest within us and therefore within our environments. 
So what are, we, what are we praying for? We're praying, Lord, let this world come into alignment with your will and your way. That's the prayer. That's what we're praying on a daily basis. Let my life come into alignment with your will so that the kingdom can come. And, and, and so we, we sometimes have this, this, this mindset as Christians that, that what we're praying for, what we're living for, is that one day Jesus is going to beam us out of this world. So we don't really need to buy in to this world and to, and to preserving this world and to, be good, to being good stewards with the resources of this world. And if this world is falling apart, then it's okay because at some point we're going to be beamed out but as we study scripture, we see that God has never abandoned this world. At the creation, there was an alignment of this physical world with the spiritual kingdom of God. Complete alignment. But through sin, they came out of alignment, didn't they? But the work of Jesus Christ has been to usher the kingdom of God back into this world so that there is alignment again. So what is it that we're living for as Christians, praying for on a daily basis, not to be beamed out, not to escape, not to think that we shouldn't be part of the solutions of this world or of our neighborhoods, because after all, we're checking out and we're leaving at the end of the day. No, the kingdom, the way and the will of God is going to come into this world and correct this world and make sure that this world is as it was or as it should have been. And so we're praying, Lord, bring your alignment back, first and foremost into my life, then into my relationships, then into this world. So how should we pray? Pray for the will and the way of God in your life on a daily basis. Because if you do that, what's going to happen? The name of God will be hallowed. So when we're contending for that reputation of God, it's not a contending placards. God must be righteous. It's, it's not a contending necessarily even policies and things that must be done in schools and our education system. It's, it's, it's not that first and foremost. Fundamentally, the reputation of God is seen through you. And so it's easier to divorce ourselves from it because we go, we're contending for the reputation of God. So what are we going to do? We're going to go after policies. There must be prayer in schools. There must be prayer in the parliament before the meetings. There must be this. There must be reading of the word. We must acknowledge Christianity as the only uh, official religion of this country. That's all good and well. Can we come back to your life and talk about that first? Before we go to policies... What are we praying? Manifest in me. Every single day. Manifest in me. Of course, Jesus says, within the process of his name being hallowed, there are some specific things that are practical that you need. You need bread. You need food. You need sustenance, nourishment on a daily basis. We need petrol for the sizes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're no longer just praying for bread and we're praying for daily petrol. <laughs> we need the daily sustenance and the nourishment and the provision of God. And that speaks of us being able to rely 
on him, right? Humbling ourselves to recognize that every single day I need his sustenance. What I got yesterday was amazing, but I can't live on yesterday. I need today's provision. And we need to content that. So how ought you to pray? What should you be praying for? Every single day, pray for the provision of God over your life. Yesterday's amazing presence of God, time, and prayer doesn't provide for today. We need to be praying daily. The, 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 the Israelites, in the, the early Israelites in the, in, the, in, the, in the desert, in the wilderness, they got a visual picture of this because they, they had the manna, right, that, fo- that, fell, that fell from heaven. And, and what they discovered was that if they went and they collected the manna and they collected provisions for, for tomorrow, tomorrow's provisions were rotten by the time tomorrow came around. It lasted for the day because it was sufficient for the day. And what that taught them was to trust God. Not to hoard, but we must make sure that we have tomorrow. But to trust that God will provide tomorrow in the same way that he provided today. Can we, pro- can we trust God? Lord, you will thank you for providing today. I know that that tells me that you will provide tomorrow. That's why I can be generous. That's why in the midst of difficulty I can give. That's why my financial advisor can look at me and their eyes are popping out the head because like, how do you have a full 10% that comes out of your budget? Are you crazy? You're giving that to who? In such tough economic times. Then let me tell you about the manna. Tell you about the manna. If I try and hoard that 10%, it's going to rot and spoil the rest. So let me just take it out because tomorrow God will provide. And so we trust God for his provision. We trust God uh, for, for, for his positioning, that, he, that we would be positioned for blessing. And what does that mean? That in relationship, we're positioned for blessing. When we are well positioned in relationship, God blesses us. That's scriptural, right? Um, and, and, when, and when we're unified, and what does that mean? So that means we have to contend and fight. I have to forgive you even if I don't, I don't want to forgive you. The rest of this prayer is amazing until we get to this part. Forgive Forgive, forgive, Jesus. Do you know what they did to me, Jesus? Do you know what I've been through, Jesus? Do you know the level of betrayal that I have experienced, Jesus? Do you know how I was rejected, Jesus? And you know what Jesus is saying? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, I do. And you know what I did with that betrayal and with that rejection and with that pain? I forgave you. And so we, we, we find it difficult to forgive because forgiving means that this person gets to get away with what they did. And so we're saying to Jesus, Jesus, it would be foolish of me to forgive. Because if I forgive, they don't learn the lesson and they get away with it. Jesus, but you, but you forgive me. You forgive me. We're good. You forgive me. And so you be foolish, but I'm not going to, because it would be foolish if I... You get it, right? And, and that's not how it works. Our outworking, the outworking of the gospel, the manifestation that we understand, we understand and have received the outworking of the gospel in our lives is that we can live it. We can not only receive forgiveness, but we can dispense it. Because both of those are hard, right? 
receiving the forgiveness sometimes feel, even just receiving the forgiveness of God just feels like I sinned, so therefore I probably need to atone for a month because, let's admit it, this one was a bad one. This one was a bad one. Um, and after a month, maybe two, you'll forgive me. I'll be able to pray again. I'll be able, I'll, we'll talk about if I can come back to church. And, uh, because we like to atone, right? We like to work for our stuff. But, but Jesus says, you have been forgiven. Accept it. And so we, what, what do we pray on a daily basis? Help me to accept the forgiveness that you have already given me. And then help me to forgive the person I'm struggling to forgive every single day. And give me the protection. Deliver me from evil. Give me the protection. Why? Well, we live in a broken world, first and foremost. But secondly, if you are intent on living out a life that is aligned with the kingdom, you're going to come across some temptation, some evil, and you're going to need the protecting of God. The temptations that you face are there to distract you from fulfilling the alignment. Because if you get the alignment right, the name of God is hallowed. That's the worst thing for the kingdom of hell. So if we can distract you with regular temptation, ongoing, predictable temptation that trips you up every time, you're never going to get to the work of, of hallowed be thy name because you're always in the work of forgive me. But if we can get from deliver me from evil, protect me from, from, from temptation, and we can live lives that are victorious, we are closer to the alignment of hallowed be thy name. Let's stand to our feet. I'll say this very, very quickly. Um, as a pastor Sai, you, you, can, you, can, you can come up. We, there are two, two, um, two, two parameters or two, two points of understanding um, that we typically have when it comes to things that happen to us. And that is uh, things that are, that are pleasant and things that are painful. Things that are pleasant and things that are painful. And, uh, and, and how we respond to that, to, to those things that are pleasant and, and those things that are, are, are painful. Uh, when, when God, when, when we come into pleasant spaces, uh, God is asking us the question of whether we are going to be grateful um, to Him. We are going to thank Him. Uh, whether we are going to desire Him more than even this pleasant space that we have come into. And the enemy is asking us in those times whether we're going to make that pleasant space an idol. And when we come into painful spaces, God is asking us whether we're going to trust him. Are we going to trust him even in those difficult times? And, uh, and, and the Satan is asking us whether we're going to take the opportunity to curse God during those times. And how we answer those is the question of whether we are sons and daughters in personal relationship with God or whether we are contractual obligated tenants that require our dues from God. Awesome. A round of applause, please. Thank you, Rex, for that word. It's a good word. Such a convicting word. It is on prayer, but prayer is based on relationship, the relationship we have with the Father. I shared in the first service, the same I'm going to share now, while Rex was preaching in the first service, 
I was reminded that the reason I struggled to call God Father was because of my relationship with my earthly father. And because of our relationship with our earthly father, we tend to look at God with those lenses of a contractual relationship and not a personal relationship. The turning point for me was meeting with this bunch of Christians called His People. Pastor Roger will remember. Vets University. And when they pray, they will say, Daddy God. And I struggled with that. I struggled with saying, Daddy God. And it revealed a wound in my heart that because of how I related with my dad, my father, my earthly father, I struggled to see God as Daddy. And you know, when I forgave my earthly father and I brought it before the Lord, thank God for Victory Weekend, and I forgave my earthly father, I was able to say, Daddy God. And when I could say, Daddy God, my prayer life changed. I did not approach God with, I've done this, I expect this. I was able to approach Him as our Father. So as we pray this morning, I want to pray for you if you're struggling to relate to God as Daddy God. Let's bring it close to those who come from West Africa. I love the fact that they say, Papa God. Papa God. Can we say to God, Abba, Abba. Let's bow our heads to pray. Abba. Father, Papa God, Daddy God. A lot of us are here today. We are disappointed at you because we struggle to see you as a God who wants only the best for us. We think, Lord God, you're only out to get us. You're only out to make us do things that we don't want to do. But actually, you want only what is best for us. So, Father, I pray that, God, we will see that you're calling us into a personal relationship with you, that our prayers will not be transactional prayers, but our prayers will start with saying, Daddy God, Abba Father, our Father. And, Lord, I want to pray for those who may have not had they're earthly fathers and they're still wrestling with the fact that I don't even know what I will say when I meet Him or if I will ever meet Him. And those who may be having estranged relationships with their earthly father, Father, I pray this morning that you'll bring restoration in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we will not leave here and go back to an old way of praying. I pray that when we start praying, we'll say, Daddy God, Papa God, in Jesus' name. Let's give God the praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.